Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, happy Wednesday evening. Welcome into another edition of Cash Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Buckets Brown, coming at you again as the summer progresses. How's everything, TV? I'm doing great. We're almost out of school here in Louisville. The public schools go till Friday, so we've got summer vacation on the mind. So uh, we are doing well. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, y'all can taste it now. You've been field tripping and, and, and all kind of good stuff. So you've, I mean, that's been adventurous, and you've been making it through. You've had a couple of nips, I believe, but it's still all good, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so you had to carry some bourbon with you to make it through, or were you, were you able to make it all right? It, it, was it okay? You talking about the field trip yesterday? Yeah, or I, you've been on a, a little run of field trips, and I thought you, you know, you took a little little mystery <laughs> thermos a couple times, and you know, it's, have you been making it all right? All right, at the end of it, yeah, are you, are you still intact? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had field day uh, a couple weeks ago, and we had a field trip with little Mrs. Class yesterday, and and field trip the last week of school. That's just a bad idea. The, the the teachers are like, look, I'm just trying to keep them alive. That's it. You know, I mean, that's just, they reached that point of the year. Uh, and then Big Miss had her spring orchestra concert. She plays the cello, and, and that was good. Uh, that was a good time as well. So just a lot of stuff going on. Well, cool, cool. And, yeah, the, the kids are just dying with all that pent-up energy to get out. So, yeah, it is kind of everybody bursting at the seams having the field trip the last week. So, yeah. Um, the concert go well again? It did. It did. Like I said, she plays the cello. She did a really good job. They played uh, John Legend's All of Me last night. And, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I recognized it. Uh <laughs> You know, the the elementary school concerts are one thing. Uh, middle school is, is, is better. Uh, so, it, you know, I actually recognize what, what's being played now. There you go. Moving right on up. Well, that's what we try to do. Uh, another Wednesday edition of Cats Talk Wednesday. Uh, 845-277-9373. Feel free to give us a call. Uh, pull us up and listen on your laptop, on your devices, on your earphones, whatever the case may be. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. We got, you know, fun topics as always. We got a SEC decision 
you know, and Kentucky will make a decision out of that, depending on whether or not they'll continue to be mystery thermoses brought into Kroger Field and Rupp Arena, or will the SEC just, in UK, just allow it? <laughs> That's coming up in the next few months, they said. Um, Eli Capilouto is a president again, if that makes any sense. We'll get into that uh, as well. NBA Finals, but y'all know we love the NBA. Drake is getting clowned. The Warriors are banged up. Game three is tonight. Uh, so much fun stuff to get to. Um, TB might have a rant. He might have some little something, something for the truth. If y'all saw him on Twitter earlier, T Brown underscore eighty. So look, all of that is, is coming right up. Uh, we'll get into all of it, man. You got you got rants. You got you want to just jump on the truth right off the get go. There's so many different ways we can go. Yeah, a couple of NBA things. Number one, it just crossed the wire that this is going to be Vince Carter's last year playing in the NBA, mm-hmm. and. You know, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I, I, You know, he was really, really good for a stretch. But I think Vince is unique because what usually happens is we don't see guys go from being the man to being a role player, to, to getting in where you fit in. That really doesn't work with a lot of guys. You know, I think there are a lot of guys that probably could have continued playing if they would have adjusted their game plan, adjusted what they wanted to do. I'm thinking of Allen Iverson or, or Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, and I'm not trying to knock those guys, but Vince went from being, you know, the de facto man in Toronto, a big key, big piece of the puzzle in New Jersey, to now he's just become a, a veteran, a role player, if that. You know, he's comfortable uh, the last couple seasons being in Atlanta, uh, you know, coming off the bench, you know, getting his 10, 12 minutes a game and being content with that. And I think there's a lot to be said in that because we don't usually see guys of that caliber able to make that transition. Uh, so I'm going to enjoy watching them play uh, one last go round. Uh, definitely, you know, I remember back in his high-flying uh, North Carolina days, and I think that, you know, outside of Michael and, and Dominique in the uh, 80s, I put what Vince did, I think it was the 2000 NBA dunk contest. That, to me, is the gold standard. Like, I, I just remember watching that. And, I mean, you knew he was going to win from the jump, from the first dunk. Usually there's a little bit of drama, but – what Vince was able to do was each dunk got better. And it was just something to behold. It was like, okay, you know, and then he, he, you know, the dunk put his arm through the rim and was hanging by his elbow. And then the, the bounce pass kind of alley-oop from Tracy McGrady, turning to the camera and letting us know that it's over. Uh, Over. Yeah. And I, so I just hope Vince is just remembered fondly. uh, Just as a guy that, truly love to play basketball. And, and again, I'm not knocking those guys that can't make that transition from being a star to not being a star. But I think the phrase, you know, playing for the love of the game gets tossed around a lot. And, and he really did. 
you know, I, I, I can't remember which one of those chatterbox shows I caught the clip of, uh, if it was the Stephen A, that monstrosity, if it was Skip Bayless, but whoever it was was just genuinely shocked that that he that Vince seems happy. You know, he's not getting the big supermax deals. You know, but he you know he's he's made his money. You know, and he's just doing it simply because he likes to play basketball. He likes being in the NBA, and and, and to me that means uh, that means something. I mean, he put 20 years in. I mean, think about it. He he debuted the NBA, you know, when we were still in college. I mean, that's that's a that's a regular career. That's 20 years right there. So, I tip my hat to Vince as he gets his deserved farewell tour. And you know, no matter what happens with the finals, that last Vince game in Toronto is going to be special. Because uh, there's a there's a great documentary that was on Netflix about Vince and Toronto kind of giving uh, the Raptors a little bit of legitimacy, uh, kind of being that first big guy north of the border to help put Toronto basketball on the map. I think it's fantastic. People need to watch it um, and just enjoy Vince. I, I know not not at the same level as Dwayne Wade and and uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who we said goodbye to this past season, but. But Vince should be remembered fondly. I mean, I can't think of a better in-game dunker than Vince Carter. And he also showed his, his wares in the, in the dunk contest. So definitely uh, sad news. Yeah, yeah. And he said that, like, the Hawks will get the first shot to retain him in free agency. And then, of course, he'll probably listen to other offers after that, depending on how it goes with him. And the Hawks, so wherever he ends up, if it is Atlanta again, like he said, uh, just being a, a role model to the the young guys, you know, Trey Young and, and whoever they draft, if he remains in Atlanta or wherever he moves on. I mean, he did the same thing uh, at Memphis. Uh, all his stops along the way. Yeah, on Dallas, the downside you know, of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just. Just unbelievable. Um, so now the odds of your career outlasting his, what if you had to set those, what would you say? This time next I'm year, actually feeling pretty different. good. Yeah, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with the gym where we're playing there, refinishing the floors and everything. So it's been a few weeks. So the next week back is going to be rough to play. But yeah, I still, I still love, I still love to play. Uh, I, I think. Uh, for me, as long as I can still do it. Now, granted, I can't play as for as long as I used to. Uh, I can't go back to back like I used to. I mean, I remember being <laughs> in the UK, and you know, I have class, you know, there at the Seton Center. Uh, you know, go to class, catch a game, go to class some more. I was working the Seton Center and Campus Rec then, and you know, uh, play. Uh, you know, a couple of games, three or four games, run a little bit, then go do stuff. Can't do that anymore. You know, the, right. the, the up and down isn't quite what it used to be. And uh, but I still, I still love to play. I'm, I'm still going to keep, keep playing. You know, get my bumps and bruises. Knockwood haven't been injured, but uh, yeah, I, lo- I love playing. I'm going I'm to keep playing, especially in my old man league. There you go. There you go. So uh, good stuff. Uh, all the best to Vince Carter in his upcoming season. 22nd season, going to set the all-time record. I think he was tied right now with Kevin Willis 
and Dirk, I believe, and Robert Parrish, all of those guys have 21 years in, and Vince will be all alone with with 22 uh, after he plays his final season next year. So that's just and, incredible. And Kevin Willis. Kevin Willis also yeah, had 21 yeah. seasons. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, the closest thing to a partner in crime my man Meek ever had. So, uh, yeah, got to give love to Kevin Willis. He was there in the 80s, you know, battling and trying with Mike Sotelo, uh in Atlanta all those years before I had to become a Rockets fan after they traded him for Danny Manning. Uh, we have to get to your Lakers as well. They've been a little bit quieter than normal, but they added another former coach to their staff, so I have to get your thoughts on that. Um as we talked about with the finals, just flashing back to last Wednesday, our caller, Lou from Pittsburgh, you know, came in picking the Raptors in five. After game one, he had to be feeling good, you know, because he was heavily invested uh, for entertainment purposes uh, as far as his thoughts are concerned with how this series will play out. And for the first half part of third quarter of game two, Lou and Pittsburgh had to be feeling really good because Golden State was out of sorts. You know, they they lose their first game one ever in all these runs to the finals, and then they're struggling mightily in game two. Um, You know, Steph is kind of sick or out of energy. Um, Looney gets hurt. You know, it's just not going well. But as Denny Green said, you know, Toronto had them, but they let them off the hook. Go to State, do what they had to do, uh, the heart of a champion or whatever you want to call it, and they even up the series, and now the next two are in Oakland, and it's going to be real dicey for Toronto, even though Go to State is banged up. Well, it, and the thing is this, you know, objectively, looking at the finals, the Raptors have outplayed uh, the Warriors in six of the eight quarters that we played so far. Yep. Uh, all of game one, uh, probably, you know, you could say, you know, maybe, you know, the fourth quarter, Hope, Steph not even getting up a shot in game two. You look at that, you think, okay, uh, the Raptors won that game. So there's a little bit of, okay, uh, the Warriors got what they wanted. You know, you get that split on the road. But as you said, and as people have pointed out, the with the with the Warriors, the injuries have mounted. It it's now it's a skeleton crew. It it's mm-hmm. Steph who may be the healthiest, uh, Draymond, yeah. uh, Green, uh, but you've got mm-hmm. Boogie who's not a hundred percent back. You've got great game. If without Boogie, it's an O two hole. It, it is, yeah. it is, and it's an ugly O two hole. Once you take Clay Thompson out of the equation, like the the Warriors could have been boat raced. But what big uh, what, what Boogie does? I'm going to say what Biggie does. What Boogie does for you <laughs> is it's a big body that commands attention. He's not what we have seen. He's not fully healthy, I don't think. Uh, you know, that's that thing that goes without saying. 
uh, his timing hasn't been there all season. You know, you forget he only had uh, maybe, you know, 20 or so games between coming back in the regular season and getting hurt in the first round of the playoffs. You know, and he was after that long layoff. So he's still working through a lot. But without Biggie commanding some attention, and, and I, what I like about this is, in the biggest game of his NBA career to date, right. he played the best that we've seen. And as Kentucky fans, I know that we're very protective of, of, of Boogie, and he's got a reputation and all this. But this is the Boogie that we all saw when he was in Lexington. You know, we saw him battling against Mississippi State, and, and this, is, this is that guy. He he is a great teammate. His teammates love him. Uh, I mean, did you, I don't know if you saw that video of the Warriors coming off the court, and he's high five. I mean, they 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 like Boogie, and his teammates do. It's the media that sometimes doesn't like him, but he played well. He's gonna get. He he can get he can get a double double, even at seventy five percent. He's that good. What helps is. The passing. I know he had six assists, I think, the other night. Could have had a whole lot more, except guys weren't finishing off his great passes. Right. He's a really good yeah. and that And that's the thing. And if, if he's able to work back into a little bit of shape, get a little bit more minutes, get a little bit more oomph, he becomes a problem. So – what I was saying last week with the injuries kind of mounting up, now you've got guys that haven't played a lot of minutes, playing, now playing a tremendous amount of minutes. The good thing is, right. and, I, and I alluded to the Lakers, when, you know, when the Rick Foxes had to move up you know, during the three-peat, move off the bench, you know, Ron Harper was gone, and Derek Fisher has to come up. If you're going to play guys that haven't played a whole lot, at least those are championship-quality guys. Like, they know. Like, Andre Iguodala can make plays at this level. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, banged Sean up. Sean can make levels. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So those guys know. Uh, so if, you're, if you have to go to your short bench, that's the, that's the way uh, to do it. Now, if you're Toronto, you got to feel like you let one slip away. Again, Steph Curry not getting a shot in the fourth quarter of a final game, if you said that to Nick Nurse and Drake in the Great North, they that. Because that either means, hey, we shut Steph down, or the game was so wide open that Steve Kerr set him down. Right. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at that scenario, so you've got to be kicking yourself in the butt. So now you let Golden State go home. You've got to figure the role players will step up a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't want to ever want to say. I think every game in the finals is a must-win game, but but Toronto, uh, you know, if they go down two-one, and then you know if 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 Kevin Durant is able to come back by game four, yeah. and yeah. you let Boogie get a little bit of traction, get his timing together, and you know, I'm not sure exactly what Clay Thompson's status is going to be. Is if you if you are going to beat these Warriors. You got to do it now because you have to think if right. you go six or seven guys, you got six or seven games, those guys are going to be back. And now, now you got a problem. So, 
That's that's mm-hmm. my take on the finals uh, so far. Yeah, this tonight is as much of a must-win or maybe more as Game Two was for Golden State, um, because you know Golden State was looking kind of desperate that first half before they before they kind of got it together and and. A little flurry at the end where you got a five or six point game at the half when it should have been 12 or 13. Like you mentioned, you know, uh, Toronto's outplayed them for 75% of the series, so six out of eight quarters. Uh, but, you know, they did Houston the same way. They were, you know, you look up the scores tied, and when Houston ought to be up 12, 14. Toronto had to feel the same way uh, Sunday night, and, and Golden State had to feel pretty good you know, to. To be just kind of listless for the whole first half after losing game one, and then to see them come out like that, uh, just no, no urgency, no flow, and to just be a couple possessions down going into the halftime, and you know how they are in the third quarter. You know they they didn't really do the typical patented third quarter run in game one. But my God, they made up for it in Game Two. Well, the eighteen old run, twenty to nothing run, and and that kind of flipped the whole script. And and like you said, now it's, it's kind of danger time for for Toronto. Um, and while we're on this, man, we gotta we gotta go on and and, and flip on and, and talk about Drake <laughs> getting clowned. Clay and KD got him. Uh, and of course, everybody knows what what Drake has been doing all these playoffs, but he kind of ramped it up in the series against Milwaukee. Uh, you saw him giving Nick Nurse a massage, and uh, you had Steven Jackson who was cool with it. You had others who were uh, upset. You know, Budenhoser, head coach of Milwaukee, was like, you know, he has no place to really be doing that if he's a regular fan. It wouldn't be happening. Uh, you saw him jumping around and, and making himself as big a part of the game as you could be while still being a fan, you know, Spike Lee and your guy, Jack Nicholson, have never done what Drake has done in these playoffs. Um, the trolling is kind of funny. You know, he wore a Dale Curry jersey because Dale played there and, you know, kind of messing with Steph as far as that was going. Uh, the Kevin sweatshirt with the Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone, Where's Kevin?, for game two since Durant's not playing. But he had to eat all of that crow <laughs> at the end of game two, um, which, look, you dish out that much, you got to be able to take at least a portion or if not as, as much coming back your way. But it was funny seeing Clay and KD get him in the locker room. Didn't even call him Drake. Just kept calling him Aubrey, which was absolutely hilarious. Well, I, I'm, I, I've gone back and forth on the Drake drama, if you will. Uh, Drake is not just a regular fan uh, or a regular celebrity fan. Like, he's part of the Raptors organization. Like, he's got – like, he's an employee. And I think, to me, that changes things a little bit. And also, I'd say that I think his histrionics go over the top. Uh, the, The shoulder rub to Nick Nurse. He's on the floor uh, a lot, which, you know, if, if I'm a, an opposing player, you know, 
if he's up, knock him down. I mean, I, I hate you know. I don't want to, you know. I don't advocate that kind of thing. <laughs> I think, look, look. Jack Nicholson has been coming to Lakers games since they were in the Forum in Inglewood in the late seventies. Cheer, just cheer your team. There's no need for the spectacle, you know, because all it does is, I, I think it adds a little bit more to when your team gets beat. Like, oh, everybody says, oh, just like Spike Lee. Yeah, Reggie Miller put up eight points in three seconds and gave Spike Lee the choke sign, <laughs> and the Knicks lost. So, so that's not who you want to emulate if you're a fan, I think. Uh, but I, I, I get it. Rappers want to be athletes. Athletes want to be rappers. I get it. They're all friends, and it's all a thing. But for me, Drake's got to chill. Maybe I maybe I'm getting older and and that kind of thing. But but Drake really has to just sit there and and chill. And you also he's he is true to Toronto. He's from there. He rides with them. That's his team. But he also is a little flighty, a little wishy-washy. Like, you know, a lot of good music. Got to give him respect for that. Puts on great concerts. Got to give him respect for that. But as Kentucky fans, we saw him in Big Blue Madness. We saw him you know, in the meetings with Cal. We saw him come out and shoot his air ball in the pregame warm-ups. And then we saw him also with UConn gear and, and just kind of gravitating and flitting around from one team to another. Um, we also see Drake <laughs> having to cover up his Steph and KD tattoos during this series. Got the 35 and the 30 on his arms, and he's putting armbands on those now that his Raptors and Warriors are in the finals. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, this is who he is. We, we shouldn't be surprised, but as much as he is Toronto, it, it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird. He is, he does need to chill, yeah. I guess. And I guess that's the only way to put it. I mean, but yeah, and 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 that's the point too. Is I would even maybe let it slide if he was a ride or die Raptors guy. But mm-hmm. you know, the 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 Drake curse now is implemented. <laughs> Whoever he reps loses. Yeah, you know, Kentucky fans, we know. There's that picture of Sad Drake wearing a Kentucky shirt. I think it was a 2014 title game. He's standing there looking all forlorn, yep. and now you know he's 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 in other things too. That that would be my thing, is and that is my thing. Like you know, thanks but no thanks, Drake. You know, thanks but no thanks. It would be different if he was a yeah. die hard whatever. Then I could see. You know, Spike exactly. Lee has been a Knicks guy as long as I can remember since you know, once do the right thing hit and spike got that, got that money, you know, he's, he's been sidelined there at uh, Madison square garden and, and Jack Nicholson, Oscars, whatever him and, you know, uh, uh, Denzel Washington, also a big Lakers fan. Those guys, and even Billy Crystal with the Clippers. Like if you're going to be a fan, be that, you know, you got to be a ride or not for one organization. That would be my thing. Right, right. And, you know, speaking of Drake and the Drake curse, you know, 
He's catching a lot for that, as he should. We even see, uh, you know, the, the Jeopardy champ, the former Jeopardy champ, James Holzhauer, just got beat. You know, whether you're a fan of Jeopardy or not, you uh, got caught up with everything that he was doing. Just like, you know, we're old enough to remember Ken Jennings, and he won 74 straight matches and uh, however many millions of dollars he won. James did it in 28 days and almost matched Ken in money, gets beat the other day, and then tweets out, you know, I, I regret having Drake come in and watch the taping of the show that he lost. So even, you know, James, Jeopardy James, as he came to be known, was getting in on the fun and throwing shade at Drake because that's how prevalent the Drake curse is. Like the Madden curse when dudes used to get hurt, tear ACLs when they get on the cover of the Madden game. Same thing with Drake. Like you said, if, if, if Drake is rocking and, and riding with you, your team is going to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that That's just, it goes without saying. So did you get caught up in the, the James mania? Did you, were you, would you peep at Jeopardy a little bit? Um, do you watch it Not anyway? Not so much. Do, do you watch it? Uh, now, when Ken Jennings did his a few years ago, uh, I watched that every day. Like, I was into that when, mm-hmm. when Ken Jennings, when they finally said, hey, you know, because when we were younger, it used to be capped at five days. You know, you were the five-day champ, yeah. then you had to move on and make room and then maybe come back for the tournament of champions, that kind of thing. But Ken Jennings mm-hmm. was the first one to really get on a groove, Um. When, when he was on his run of un, you just keep winning until you until you can't can't win anymore, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Who got next? Winner stays it, up, kind of like at the park. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, and with Ken Jennings, I think once it got over twenty games in a row that he had won, I love the you know when they go let's go meet the players kind of thing at the you know we come back from the first yeah. commercial break. And it, to me, it just uh-huh. seemed like Trebek and Kent Jennings just had this contentious, I'm tired of you kind of thing. Because <laughs> either Alex Trebek would say something like, yeah, Ken, we know all about you, and, uh, you know, Ken would come back with something. So that, to me, was the highlight was not so much he was winning, it was just what jabs could they get at each other. It was almost like uh, Will Ferrell and Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. It kind of took that vibe. But it was really Alex Trebek kind of playing with Ken Jennings. So I didn't get into it with the new guy. Uh, I know some people think, oh, he lost on – you know, whatever. It, it, it's a game show. I'm not going to get too involved in it. At, at some point, you're you're just going to lose, and there's no conspiracy behind it. Some nights you just are going to lose. So uh, I think it's great. Uh, to me, Jeopardy is one of my favorite game shows. I love to watch Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. I'm happy when I can get you know about half of the answers right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't. Now the kids Jeopardy, I kill it. The kids Jeopardy, I kill it. That, but right. uh, well. <laughs> so it's fun to it's fun to to, to do that. But uh, it's just one of those cultural things. I like I said, I love Jeopardy in light of Alex Trebek and his health issues. I've been. This is great, you know. Uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, didn't catch too much of this go around, 
But, you know, there's, there's going to be the next person. And it, it, I'm just glad that James seems to have the same kind of, uh, from what I've seen on Twitter, like you said about Drake, he's got the, got the same sense of humor, same sensibility as Ken Jennings, who is a great follow on Twitter as well, by the way. So uh, yeah. I, I think more than just some, you know, singing competition, I would like Jeopardy and some of the smart folks to, to kind of get some of that pub. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't watch every single night, every, you know, three or four nights that I pop in, see if he's still there, you know, and the thing about him, it was, you know, of course he was dominant, but it was just the, the way he would do it. It was, uh, he was like a professional gambler, I think a sports gambler, sports better or something like that anyway. So like just the risk of it all, he wasn't scared. There were, you know, half the time he would have the match over, like Vince Carter, O-V-E-R, over before the first commercial break. He would go and get all the, you know, $1,000 categories, get them right, and just kind of jump on everybody. And, they, you know, the other two wouldn't even have a chance. Uh, he would get the daily doubles. He would find them. I've had a propensity of finding them more than everybody else and would just risk huge amounts of money, get the answer right, and the next thing you know, you know, he's at $11,200. You know, the other person's 300 in the hole. The other contestant has $600. And it's time for Alex to meet him. And it's over. You know, and he's just cruising the rest of the evening. A couple of times he got tested. Um, I even tweeted out there's a couple of times where it, if it was still a game after the Jeopardy round, you were surprised. Uh, there's a couple of times where he didn't find some daily doubles and, and he had to actually work for the entire 30 minutes and had to kind of rally and come from behind, which was that's what would catch your eye. You'd be like, oh, James won, but he he, he had to play the whole game instead of just blowing everybody out like he did. So that was kind of uh, what was special about him, if you will, just the way he smoked everybody out of the gate. And like you said, you know, just the boat race, because that's what it was. Everybody else was playing for second. Uh, you get to final jeopardy so many times. He didn't even have to wager if he didn't want to. Didn't he have to answer the question? It didn't even matter. It was just formality. So that was kind of the cool thing about him. Um, and with that, I'm gonna throw a poll out there because we already talked about his his humor with Drake. Cats Talk Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at Cats Talk W E D on Facebook and Twitter. Like the Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. What about James Holzhauer impresses you more? His Jeopardy run or his Drake shade. So vote on the poll, uh, retweet it, share it, see what you think. It's a fun little poll about Jeopardy James, you know, combining the sports humor that he had from Drake and the success he had on Jeopardy. Tweet it out right now at Cast Talk Wednesday, so check it out. Um, we'll, too, let you know about our sponsors real quick. Let's give love to Smoky Mountain Trader the number one red reader in the tri-state area here in East Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, Lee County, Southeast Kentucky, and Bell County. Graphic needs, classifieds, advertising. If you want to list an item in the Smoky Mountain Trader, 
for others to see, feel free to do so. You want to sell, you want to buy, you want to trade. They can do any and all of that. Lynn Earls is the main man. He's the publisher there at the Smoky Mountain Trader. 5063 Suite 1 West Andrew Johnson Highway, 423-587-1700. Check out the website at dsmtrader.com. And S-M-K-Y-M-T-N Trader, Smoky Mountain Trader on Facebook and Twitter. Follow them there. Um, Like their page and you can get caught up. A lot of people that listen to the show, we've had guests of the show, friends on Facebook who have liked their page, followed them on Twitter, and are checking out everything they're doing there. So y'all feel free to do that as well. But thanks, as always, to the Smoky Mountain Trader for bringing the show each and every week, helping present the show to you all. We definitely appreciate it. We got a caller calling in right now from 859. Let's see who we got. Hello, caller. You are on Cat's Talk Wednesday. What are you doing, Benny? It's Tina. Hey, 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 hey. I was, you, you know you was going to get talked about tonight because happy anniversary is in order for you and Rusty. Don't think we weren't going to mention that. It's on, him, it's on my little list right here. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Are y'all having a good night? We are. Okay, yeah. I got a question for TV. Are y'all there, TV? I'm here. All right. How would you feel showing thousands of people your basketball skills? How would I feel? I'd, I'd feel good. I, you know, I, okay. with enough ice okay. and icy hide, I'm good. <laughs> Listen, you might have a chance coming up to show your basketball skills. I just want to kind of put a little, little uh, I don't know what you call a feeler out there that there might be something coming up that you and Vinny both can show your basketball skills if you want to. And I'll be sure to let you all know when the details are finalized. How does that sound? That sounds good to me. You you and Vinny? I'm going to be on the sideline. I would like to be in. We never played together yet anyway. That's still one thing we've yet to do. Well, but as long as the ball's shooting, because I'm just going to shoot the ball. I don't, I don't pass. Uh, I'm like a black hole. The ball comes to me. <laughs> it's a oh. no zone. Ball comes to me. It's either a turnover or a shot attempt. That's that's how I operate. And that's it. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Well, let me just tell you. Now, you're, not gonna have like you're, not, you're not going to have us against a bunch of 15 to 20 year olds where we're just going to get ran into the ground, right? Oh no 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 no! It'll be against. Okay. Uh, Guys of similar similar age division. Okay, we're well, good. I, I need gravity. I need gravity guys like myself, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm just giving you a little sneak preview, and it's in the works. And I would say it's going to happen, and I'll fill you in on the details as they come available. How does that sound? Well, that sounds good to me. That sounds good, yeah. How y'all been doing? Yeah, it'll How's be your fun. summer? How's little Caroline and all that? Hey, everybody's wonderful. Caroline's wonderful. Uh, I'm having another, you know, Courtney's having a little girl. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be a granny again. Yeah, I'm going to be a granny again in September. Oh, my goodness. That is right around the corner. I know it's that soon. It is right around the corner. I know. Ooh. 
In fact, she's going to be at Cameron yeah. Mills Cookout on August 24th, and she's going to be eight months pregnant. So I don't know how happy she's oh, going to be that night. Oh, she's going. I'm. She's already. Regret, I'm going to tell her right now. She's regretting that. She'll be regretting that. Oh yeah, bad, <laughs> bad. But she's excited. We're excited. I'm. Let's see. Busy at work. Uh, getting ready to go to the Bahamas. I'm just sad that the basketball team's not going to be there this year. But you know how they can't go every year. That's yeah. right. <laughs> right. That's true. But tell her you'll have oh, fun anyway for sure. For sure. Oh, I'll have fun. I can't wait. I'm taking the husband this time. So. Hey, and look, happy 36th anniversary to y'all. I saw that on well, Facebook and Twitter. And, I mean, my goodness, 36 years. That is wonderful. You know, that's a long time. We've grown up together. Do you know what? <laughs> yeah, Literally, we've grown that's up together. It. <laughs> I, have I was thinking about that. You what? We're just, we're just going to be halfway there come August. Katie and myself, we're just going to be at 18. Y'all have doubled us up, so y'all are 36 and rolling well, right on. So. And we kind of looked at each other last night, and I said, well, where do you want to go eat? And he's like, you know, I don't know. And I was like, let's just go do the Chinese buffet. <laughs> so we we did the Chinese <laughs> buffet. <laughs> <laughs> we passed the point of having to go I'm, to Tony's or Malone's. <laughs> yeah, just all that. Well, listen, you all take care. Fancy Smancy. You all take care. Have a wonderful summer, and I will see you both in August, if not sooner. Yes, ma'am. All right. I'm hoping. And, uh, I'm gonna try to get. I'm gonna try to get in shape. Yeah, you better get in shape because you know. But you're gonna have a good coach. Let's just put it like that. Okay. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good to me. These are little teasers, okay? They're little teasers, and hopefully, within the next two or three weeks, we can get everything finalized. Hopefully. And then make a big announcement about everything. Sounds good. Yeah. That All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And how quick are y'all going to message me on the? How quick are y'all going to message me on the side to figure out what's going on? Is what I want to know. <laughs> well, I, I think you might go to commercial real quick. <laughs> I think, and and you know, TB and I multitask every single show, all show long. I mean, just truth be told. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I just picked up dinner, so you all could. Give me 15 minutes, and you can start DMing me, okay? Sounds good to me. All right. All right. Love you guys. Talk to you soon, okay? (laughs) Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Bye-bye. Tina Cox, CameronMillsRadio.com, right along there, on there alongside of us, uh, hooks us up with the media credentials when we get to cover games at Rupp, at Kroger Field, Road games, bowl games, NCAA tournament games, all the sports, baseball, softball, gymnastics, um, you name it. We always talk about how we enjoy getting to do that, and and Tina does so much to make that happen. And teasing us with a chance to hope with a good coach in front of, seems like tens of people, she didn't say hundreds of people. Didn't she say? Didn't she say thousands of people? Which means like numbers and a comma and then three zeros. Didn't she say thousands? TV? Did I, did we hear that right? She she said thousands. So uh, I think I know. I don't want to guess on the air, but I think I I do know. Right. 
I, I've had some uh, conversations with other folks. I think I, I think I know, but but we'll figure it out. Well, his. I mean, this is this is pretty cool. I saw, uh, you know, Chris Haynes, the NBA reporter. You know, has a cool podcast. He had Adam Silver on the other day, and he was having like the media event where the media, NBA media is getting together and hooping. And Chris Kane can hoop. He can ball. Uh, there's a picture, a video on Twitter, on Twitter of him, you know, busting the jumper in Will Barton's eyes, Will Barton for the Nuggets. So, you know, he can hoop, kind of like everybody back in the day. You know, Steve Urkel can hoop. Brian McKnight can hoop. Chris Haynes can hoop. So maybe we are up in some kind of media something, some kind of form or something. But you know, I'll, I'll get clued in a little bit more along with you because – I'm in the dark more so than anybody, but sounds like a bunch of fun coming right up around the corner, potentially. Well, you, you know I'm here for it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Because I've been like, man, I need to get to Louisville and hoop with y'all. And, you know, you bought the MOP and, and all those legends that you hoop with. Uh, i got to kind of knock the dust off myself and, and get back in there. It's been shooting around here and there, but I have to ramp it on up and, and keep trying to play. But we'll we'll take a commercial break, even though we won't DM Tina just yet just to give her time to eat. Take us a quick commercial break. We'll uh we gotta get to the SEC decisions and Eli Capaluto making news and whatever else we get to the rest of the way. This is Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Buckets Brown, unless you know he's still playing. We'll be right back with the rest of the show. Y'all continue to roll with us and we'll keep bringing you more and more.
We are back. Cats Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Just been blitzing Tina Cox ever since we went off the air. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. <laughs> Letting her eat just like we said we would. <laughs> but uh, definitely intrigued. Cool her to call. Uh, definitely going to wish her happy anniversary anyway. And she jumped in and was on the line and teasing and, and giving out potential uh, potential news. What's, yeah, potential basketball playing opportunities in front of thousands of people. So uh, thanks to Tina for calling in. TV, you kind of in the know a little bit. Hmm? I'm going old school. I old got school. my goggles, and, and I got my oh. I got my headband, and I got uh, I'm, I'm have to find me some of those knee high socks with the three stripes at the top. I'm oh. taking it old school. I like Elliot Perry, you know, Perry high. I, yeah, I, that's right. That's right. I give a I give a <laughs> nod to Mama B and my Memphis roots, and I go straight to uh, the Elliot Perry kind of thing. Or you know, I, I man, I'm I'm stoked. This is a big deal. I got. I got to see what kind of – maybe I'll – you know, I got some shooting sleeves. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be – I may just change in the middle of the game. I'm stoked. There's going to be thousands of people. Man. I got to put on a show. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I still had those uh, – <coughs> you know those knee bands Glenn Rice used to wear, those little co- – I think Copac yeah. was the company that made them. I've had a couple of those. I'm going to have to <laughs> knock the dust off of those. They were supposed to stabilize – you know, your patella area. Uh, Glenn Rice rocked them religiously. Uh, he had the yeah. ankle wraps for your Achilles. Uh, I had a couple of those knee wraps I used to wear um, because they were cool and I was impressionable, and so I bought me some. It's like, you know, Glenn Rice wears them. He seems to be doing all right. Uh, I don't know if I could tell the difference, but I, I had me a pair for each knee, and I used to wear them every time I played anywhere. So I think they're up in the drawer somewhere. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Boy, boy, boy. So we shall see if this materializes. Uh, the seed has been planted. The excitement is building. And uh, we'll go from there and hope it happens for sure. Uh, well, if it does happen, I'll say I got the – it wasn't in front of thousands, but it was in a venue. But uh, that's all I'll say, and I'll say more as we know more as if it becomes official. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool if it is the case. Just the, just the thought of it is, is pretty cool. You and I were texting off air, and, uh, yeah, the excitement is building. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, not a lot going on as far as UK, you know, Games being played, things of that nature. Uh, we had the SEC meetings. We all know that's been going on. The SEC left it up to each university as far as what they want to do about alcohol at the games. You know, thought they were just going to say it passed it, but they left it up to each school and. Ms. Barnhart and all of them have said it's going to be a few months. They're going to look at it. And, of course, you know, back, um, you know, the beer barrel was taken away when the 
auto accident happened and the wife was lost and alcohol was involved. Uh, there's been some things of that nature happened throughout the history of Kentucky as far as they're concerned. Um, and on the other hand, you and I, we talked about getting to cover games. We go to Kroger Field. We went as fans. We went as media. We've seen everything get snuck in, you know, in pockets and jeans and jackets uh, for years. We also know when we go to uh, Kroger Field now, it's the floor floor below the press box, the floor above the suite where you can just go uh, the swanky suite area. They've been getting out of the hall and they're all alone because everybody out amongst the crowd can't go to the concession stand and get it. So you think based on that, you know, they already kind of have serving part of the crowd, but not everybody, which is eh, kind of sketchy in itself if you ask me. Now they're going to decide whether or not to extend it on throughout the crowd to everyone or leave it the way it is or what. So that's kind of been the big talk coming out of the SEC meeting, as well as Cal having his press conference and talking with, with Daryl Burton like he always does. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I haven't seen yet what the decision is going to be. I know they've left it up to the schools to do that. Uh, I mean, that puts them in line with other conferences, the SEC, when it comes to alcohol. And as you point out, UK has it at Kroger Field, depending on your seat, <laughs> depending on, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, uh-huh. and I know there's guidelines in place, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I I know people are going to, before the games, they're going to tailgate and they're going to drink a lot. I, 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 I get that. I'm, I'm no uh, teetotaler. My concern has been that do you really want Auburn and Alabama if people have been knocking back, you know, beers? It, it's one thing to uh, do it beforehand. It's another thing to have people sneak it in, and it's another thing to have it where you're actually serving it at the game itself. I, I just I think that each athletic administration is going to have to look and have to say, okay, you know, how do we do this? And I know uh, I get it that they do it other places. They do it here at Louisville. Uh, I, I get that, but, man, I, I don't know. A, a night game at LSU, you know, when uh, Alabama or, or, you know, Texas A&M comes to town, I think it just I, – I don't know. I, I think you have to put a lot of thought into it. Now, Alabama has already said that they will not do it. Um, they made a statement the other day, we have one of the best game day atmospheres in the country – and we don't envision making changes at this time. Uh, so we're not really going to be expecting alcohol sales at any of Alabama's campus stadiums in the near future. So the SEC lifted this ban. Looks like Alabama will be among the schools that won't have alcohol available for purchase at Bryant-Denny, uh, Coleman Coliseum, 
or any of the other stadiums. So they already said that they're not going to. Cecil Hurt and ALSports.com and all those a few days ago already said that they made their decision. I don't know about Auburn and Mississippi State and LSU and all that. LSU would probably – I mean, they are so moved up anyway. <laughs> and that atmosphere is already crazy. I've never been to Tiger Stadium, but all you hear is about that's, that's the place you got to go, Tiger Stadium at night. Because they've been moved up all day, uh, but Alabama's not going to as of now. So, uh, but I'm, I'm sure all the decisions will continue to trickle in. But Alabama already said we we ain't changing nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I know that they're going to be looking to do it at, at, at Rupp Arena as well. My concern is not so much because uh, I don't think the crowd will be. Rowdy, although the lower level folks might be a little bit rowdy <laughs> if you can let them have a cocktail or two. But in all actuality, <laughs> you know, and I know they're doing renovations, but if that upper level, if it's going to stay as steep as it is, my fear is somebody falling, mm. you know, on the benches mm-hmm. and everything like that. That would be a concern if you're up arena. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, so, uh, and like I said, each I, I like it leaving it up to each individual team, uh, each individual university, saying, okay, how how do we want to approach it? Uh, but I, I just I don't know, I don't know. I I think if you do let some fans do it, you have to let everybody do it. I, I do believe in that, and I think that's where some of the warranted criticism. Uh, with Ms. Mitch Barnhart and the athletic department as it is in Kroger Field, where some folks can and some folks can't. I think that is a little much. Uh, I think it's either everybody or nobody. That's just my two cents on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the man that fell a few years back at Rupp Arena and was paralyzed, 2013 died a couple of years ago. So, like, I mean, that kind of goes with what you're saying. This can happen when you're sober in that upper level. So, I mean, you don't need any help falling and getting yourself hurt based on that incline up there. Right. I mean, you know, I've I've seen people have issues. Uh, to some of those lower level, some of the upper, the first rows in the upper level, you're kind of in a dugout like environment, so you got to kind of step out. So it's it's not easy to navigate stone cold sober. So you throw a couple of cocktails in there, and yeah. I think you might have some issues, mm-hmm. which I think uh, universities have to look at from a liability standpoint. You know, I know that mm-hmm. there are a lot of of universities that uh, those stadiums aren't the easiest to navigate, and I think that could open you up. Now, granted, uh, you know, people, like we said, sneak stuff in, drink beforehand, but I think, and I'm no uh, liability lawyer, might need to reach out to Huff, but I think if you're serving, I think that opens you up to a whole lot. You know, people leaving – the arena under the influence. I think if you're actually serving it, I think that opens you up a little bit. But I, I, again, smarter people than me are going to figure that out. Right. 
So yeah, so this is kind of explains why it will take months before they reach a decision because they're putting all the scenarios on the table and um, not just let's get this extra revenue. It is taking time to look at things such as that, you know, liabilities, injuries, navigating the facility, you know, so it is quite a bit to sift through and decide on if you're going to, you know, how you're going to approach it. Absolutely. Flipping back to, let's see, let's see, we got the, got the alcohol. Oh, Miss Catalito, before we, not to can't forget about him, President of UK was just named President of the SEC. So he's going to serve a one-year term as the President of the SEC. And maybe I should have known that this happened. I didn't even know they did this. I, I knew, you know, you got a commissioner, you, you know, Roy Kramer back in the day, Greg Sankey. Now uh, he gives kind of the state of the conference address at SEC Media Days. Uh, you see him at the SEC tournament, you know, baseball tournament. You've seen him around. Uh, but I didn't know that they took turns electing a president of the conference for a year. You know, all of the presidents and all that kind of take a vote. And Eli Capilouto is the president of the SEC for this coming year. And the he succeeds, South Carolina's president who had that role for last year. I didn't even know that was the case. Had no idea. Maybe I should have known. Maybe I heard about it and forgot. I don't know. But uh, for the next year, until they have the SEC meetings next year in Destin, Eli Capilouto is going to preside over it as the president. Um, and one thing, too, I didn't know about him is he is from Birmingham. You know, same hometown as where the SEC offices are. Uh, I didn't know he was a Birmingham native. So just finding out all kinds of stuff about the conference and Mr. Capilouto in these past day and a half or so. I had no idea SEC president was a thing, but I'm glad that old Eli is is, is back at it. I think that's uh, uh, I think that's a good thing for for Kentucky. Yeah, so dual presidency, you know, president of Kentucky, and now for the next year he'll be the president of the SEC simultaneously. So um, you know that made news, and we talk about Kentucky, and had to talk about that as well. Gotta flip it over to you because you know you've been down to talk about your man Paul Pierce. Uh, he put out a couple of tweets before the show started. Uh, how you couldn't wait to reflect on some fond memories of your man Paul, the true Pierce. We've been dragging Paul Pierce for the last few weeks, declaring series over, comparing himself better than Dwayne Wade. Now, in his defense, you expect everybody that's been an elite player to to have that mindset. So I didn't jump on him too much about that. Uh, But this, going back to 2008, this is the 11th anniversary of the big three in Boston winning their only championship since 1986 for, for the Celtics. And the highlight to me 
not the game six blowout in Boston. That's I watched every minute of that blowout, and that was painful to watch, but I watched it. I'm talking about game one where Paul Pierce hurt something, leg, knee, ankle, something. And in a performance worthy of Meryl Streep, he's on the ground writhing in pain. And he has his guys scoop him up off the floor. and They take him to the bowels of the arena, and he's in a wheelchair. And then miraculously, miraculously, like every great heel in WWE slash WWF history, he out of nowhere he comes back and has a great performance and ends up leading the Celtics to the title. Uh, I just like it because, honestly, that's re- even though I know the Lakers lost and there was a blowout in game six, that's the memory to me. Like People that know of Paul Pierce are like, yeah, Paul Pierce was a great player, but everybody remembers him in the wheelchair. And the thing is, I'm not even questioning – that he's is he tough because he got stabbed like six times early when he was in Boston. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, came yeah. pretty close to not being able to even play basketball again. But he came back from that. So I'm not saying, oh, Paul Pierce is soft. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, hey, that's kind of over the top, right? That's <laughs> that's kind of over. Way above and beyond, right? So uh, it's the 11-year anniversary of of that. Yeah, and I don't know if it was I think it was Bleacher Report where you where you quote tweeted it, and you know it's kind of doing a little pop up audio, pop up video session along with the video. I uh, have Phil Jackson quoted as saying, I don't know if angels came <laughs> to visit him or what. Did that portion of the tweet compare him to Willis Reed, or was it the commentators during the game that compared him to Willis Reed? One of the two. I can't remember which one was which, but that's that's just not in the yeah. same category as Willis Reed's at all. No, 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 no. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not gonna. That's not Will Shreed. And, and yeah, you know, I, I I like it. Number one, because it is the Celtics, and anytime the Celtics can look bad, that makes me extremely happy. I'm not above saying, hey, you know, if my team's not doing good, I want our greatest rivals to be ridiculous as well. So, anytime I can poke fun at the Celtics, I'm here for it. Yeah, and you know, Will Shreed got hurt. And first of all, he, you know, walked off or limped off. <laughs> and he was still limping when he came back. You know, he, he hit those first couple jumpers over Will. Now, I know it's against your Lakers. It's before we were born. But he hit those first couple jumpers that set the tone and was still dragging that leg up and down the court. You know, he wasn't typical Willis Reed, you know, when he came back out. Right, right. It, it, and, you know, his inspirational uh, leadership out there, just his presence, I think, helped fuel the Knicks in that Game 7 uh, victory. Uh, oh, yeah. But let it be known yeah. that, that Walt Frazier 
went off in that game. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, you know, it wasn't just a plucky group of underdogs. Frazier was legit. Like he legit could get buckets. I know, you know, we see his crazy suits and all that. So Clyde could flat out get it, okay? And everybody will always kind of point to his. And, and look, he was he was he was great on both ends of the court. Everybody wants to point to his defense first because you know you see him getting steals and ball hawking, and he definitely did that. But they almost kind of want to overshadow his offense because I think you like you said was it was that the game he had like thirty six and nineteen or, or he had some kind of like you said I don't know if it's thirty six points nineteen down but that was the game. But at some point in that era, he was dropping games like that. And, you know, he could flat-out score, too. But a lot of people just can't keep saying, oh, great defensive player. He could go, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing. Oh, one more U.K. thing that I did forget. Um, The MLB draft has been going on. And Kentucky had a down year this past year from a baseball standpoint, but we're still represented high in the first round of the MLB draft. Uh, UK starting pitcher Zach Thompson went 17th to the uh, to the St. Louis Cardinals. So he was 6-1 this past year at UK, you know, his final season. Um, from a team standpoint, it didn't go the way he wanted to go. Uh, he still – did his best to contribute and had a great career. Um, the Cardinals took note, and now he'll be moving on uh, to pick up his professional career as a member of St. Louis Cardinals. So congratulations to Zach Thompson. Um, another one that Nick Minjohn can point to is, is getting drafted. He had a, a slew, and that's, you know, the old folks, the old country term, had a slew of players drafted his first couple of years. And even this year, still having Zach Thompson go in the first round, uh, top 20 pick, uh, is still saying something. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. Uh, again, not quite the on the field that we wanted this year, but still that just shows you what kind of kids that we're bringing in as student-athletes uh, into UK. Absolutely. And for everybody that listens, uh, follow you on Twitter, tbrown underscore 80. Uh, you are in the formative stages of becoming a Chicago Cubs fan. Your significant other uh, is all about that fly that W and, and you know, the Cubs and Wrigley Field and deep in the Chicago Cubs fandom. So have you, being a, a novice, rookie-ish, Cubs fan cultivated that dislike and disdain for the Cardinals already. Or, you know, have you have you fully immersed yourself in that rivalry? Uh, they just played a, a couple weekends ago. Uh, are you already disliking the St. Louis Cardinals? Are you still kind of developing that? No, I'm kind of indifferent to the Cardinals. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, oh. like I said That's last sweet. week, I was you know growing up. Uh, Ozzie Smith was my favorite player. I just never really gravitated towards the Cardinals. Um, But I think, you know, I've I've been to St. Louis. Uh, It's a great city. It's a great baseball town. 
uh, St. Louis itself has a lot going for it. Uh, but it, you know, this this hatred of the Cardinals, you know, there, yeah, there's some Cardinals I don't like. <laughs> they just have to be a whole lot closer to me <laughs> than St. Louis.
a highly touted shooter that you know probably won't be affected by it. Um, Higgins, to me, that'll kind of and look, you know, we're we're not factoring in the work he's putting in on his shot. You know, Cal already talked about earlier how you know he expects Higgins to improve because he will get it this year. He'll know what being the point guard entails. Uh, we saw him have peaks and valleys and you know, stretches where he was just kind of fade away and kind of ran out of gas towards the end. Uh, Hagen's already talked about how he's already working on conditioning, uh, experience, having that year under his belt. He may, you know, look, we know that he got the Rondo treatment last year. Teams dare him to shoot. You know, it was four and five offensively at times when he was in the game. Um, if he's continuing to work to keep defenses honest, moving the line back might just make it all be twos for him. It might just take away all the frustration because he'll be shooting straight up twos. Unless, you know, he may have worked on his shot enough to the point where he can step on back beyond. We'll, we'll see here in a few months. But moving the line back, I think, will keep his feet from being anywhere near it. It'll be more mid-range, long mid-range for him in addition to penetrating um, unless he improves his range more than we kind of anticipate. Yeah, so and, and if you've got some good shooters, which I think we may have this year, I think that opens it up, right? If you go with four smalls and a big, and you've got shooters out there that really gives the big a lot to, a lot of room to operate. Uh, if, and if anything else, yeah. I think it, it it hurts teams like uh, like Syracuse that are zone heavy. So that gives you that much ground you have to cover. You know, stre- it stretches out those uh, those defenses a little bit more. So for me, it's just. Uh, uh, I, I think it's good for the game. I think we're going to see a little bit more freedom of movement. I would have liked to have seen some changes on block charges, but that's not going to change anytime soon. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stuff to look forward to. Like you mentioned, uniformity. Uh, the NBA is already doing it. You know, uh, get offensive rebound, the shot clock resets to 14, uh, little things like that. So across the board, it'll kind of trickle on down to the college level anyway. And we'll, you know, jury's still out on whether Kentucky gets the shot clock in high school, and there's a lot of debate about that on both sides. But at least college and pro is becoming more uh, a uniform and each sport can still be unique to itself, even though it is some uniformity things amongst them all, I do believe. Uh, so if they were to get a shot clock, I mean, I don't think it would mess up high school basketball. Just um, like college would still be college and, and the NBA would still be the NBA, even if there's some of the same rules throughout all levels. Right, and I, and I think eventually – and I would say in the next four or five years, college, men's college basketball will have quarters. It's the only, mm-hmm. it's the only level of basketball kind of anywhere that doesn't use quarters. 
So I think there's going to be going to have to be some changes about that because there's no reason, you know, there's no reason why not. There's no reason to say why can't we just go to quarters? I think it'll. Mm-hmm. It, other than yes, it'll change strategy a little bit, but I think it's going to have to do that. It's been perfectly fine in the women's game. I don't think anybody is appalled or <laughs> offended or shocked. You know, at the end of the first quarter, you know, Kentucky leads. You know, Georgia, eighteen to fourteen. No big deal. It, it's been to me pretty seamless. I think so, but you know we'll we'll see how that moves uh, going forward. But I think the changes are definitely step in the right direction. Yeah, um, and speaking of all levels, if we move it on over to overseas, we have former cats over there, uh, and one was in the news, that being Terrence Jones, and the. Scrap the cheap shot fest. The I mean, what what was going on with that? I forget the other dude's name, Calvin something, and I think the teams were in the Philippines. Um, you saw a dude kind of push Terrence Jones down. You saw Terrence fall, and Terrence gets up and, and gives him a shot to the groin area there, and as he's Flinching up from that, it's a little semi elbow as he's going down, um, and it just continued to escalate because during the timeout, you see Terrence doing a little dance over on the sideline. The play resumes, and and Terrence gets a rebound, and I think the Calvin dude just goes and clotheslines him right in the throat. Uh, Gets a flagrant, and then it's a whole get up, you know, hold me back. We we want to go at it, but we're not kind of moment. And then the little Calvin dude is doing his dance afterwards. I mean, what what was going on? You know, cheap shots happen. All that stuff's part of the game. Cheap shots to the groin happen. It happened a lot more back in the day. Look at look at Rex Chapman tweet that's, you know, the whole no babies allowed pinned on his timeline. And, you know, you'll see what really used to go down. You know, Terrence ain't innocent either. You know, we we love our former cats. But <laughs> um, I think the dancing after he hit him in the groin is what, what escalated it. You know, I think if he doesn't dance, this stays on the court and they keep, you know, Dishing out blows to one another throughout the game, but when little buddy saw him down there dancing, then I guess he felt he had to clothesline him and then dance back, and then that's what just kind of just just what an odd situation. Overseas ball is odd anyway, and then that was just that was just completely odd. Yeah, you know, Pierce just being a knucklehead and, and seeing, the, but you got to be careful when you're over in other countries though. You, you gotta be. Uh, you gotta. You gotta be careful. But uh, you know, throwing the below the belt shots that would have made 
uh, Ric Flair proud. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't do that. And then the dancing and all that. Yeah, and you know, I just kind of glanced at it quickly. Terrence looked to be the, the biggest dude out there. You know, um, don't know who the other guys were or how good they were. What level of competition this is. Uh, Terrence wanting to come back to the NBA and he signed a big contract uh, I think over in China a year or two ago but if you're wanting to come back to the NBA and and get on the radar you want to be on the radar of teams for positive stuff. Now he had a big time double-double in the game but this kind of just mars it and tarnishes it when I hadn't seen any highlights of Terrence Jones overseas in a long time or maybe ever, and now this is a highlight. We see of Terrence Jones overseas, the whole cheap shot, Ric Flair stuff. That's not what you want GMs over here to see if you're trying to get back over here. I wouldn't think. Yeah, You've got to uh, be on your best behavior if you want to get noticed. Uh, again, and you know, I always thought that that Terrence Jones. I always thought that he played really well. He had some solid seasons for your Rockets. I just, I don't know. He was the one guy I thought at UK that maybe wouldn't be a star, but I thought he would always be able to find a spot in the NBA. So I was, I've been wrong about that. Yeah, because he was. I mean, you see. You see what a guy like Julius Randle is doing, um, was there with your Lakers and then moved on to uh, the Pelicans uh, and, you know, left-handed, strong, athletic. Tance was even, to me, maybe a little more versatile. He wasn't as big and as a bruiser as Julius, but could still flat hit the boards, uh, could put the ball on the floor, you know, from the three-point line and get to the rim. I mean, who can forget, you know, the baptisms against South Carolina where he crossed the dude up and, and went in and dunked on everybody. I think against Notre Dame we had a uh, a great dunk as well. Could shoot the three, you know, could do a lot of things. So, yeah, like you said, in today's game, the way the game continues to change, you would think there would definitely be a spot where uh, his services could definitely be be used. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully, I mean, he's still young. Hopefully that uh, is the case. Um, You know, you see a lot of guys going to the draft that aren't ready. You've seen a lot of guys stay in the draft that aren't ready. Um, Maybe this coming season he wants to come back over and do a trial, do some workouts, and maybe it'll it'll kind of jumpstart him again. Uh, Our guy David Cobb, who covers the Memphis Grizzlies, was on the show with us here a few weeks ago and went back to Harlan County, to my hometown, uh, and did the piece on – Bernie and J.B. Bickerstaff for the Commercial Appeal. He had an article in the Commercial Appeal a couple of days ago about where the scene to beat is looking to make a comeback. Uh, and you have all these young 
wet behind the ears, late teens and early 20-somethings, and here's a man, 7'3", 32 years old, last played in the league five years ago, but he's looking to make a comeback. And Hashim, we are a member at UConn, um, defensive player, shot blocker, rebounder, but is trying to change his game to fit the NBA that has changed since he was last in the league, uh, working on his conditioning, just running, 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 lots of running, and working on offensive skills beyond just jump hooks in the paint because he knows that, hey, i got to add a little bit more. i got to diversify uh, offensively to be effective. That's just the way the league is right now. I just can't come in and, and – and block a shot and hit a jump hook, but I got to make myself more of a threat offensively. So that's kind of where he's at right now. Uh, but just kind of interesting to see that he's looking to make a comeback after being out for half a decade. Yeah, it, it, we toss around the word bust a lot, uh, but sometimes, you know, things just don't work out. I think it's a little unfair. But I think especially with big men over the last four or five years, they've just been phased out. There's there's no – right now there's no back-to-the-basket jump hook players. That skill set has just – you become a dinosaur. And it's one of those things you come around at just the wrong time. And I think that's what we've seen with a lot of the big men. You know, I, I think there are a lot of guys – that they just you come along at the wrong time, and you know we go back, we look at some of these games from the '80s and the '90s, the NBA game. It's a completely different ball game. You know, you see the stat like I think Steph has hit, already hit more threes in his career than like Magic and Michael and all. It, look, the game has changed. It's a different game. And unless you are just a transcendent talent, you're, you're kind of at the whim of the style of play that's being played. Yeah. And kind of think about Dakari Johnson kind of fits that. Um, low post guy, big, strong, not the fastest dude, um, a banger. And he's kind of fighting that same uphill battle. And he's with the developmental league for the Thunder. Uh, he gets called up from time to time, but he's kind of fighting that uh, that same kind of battle. Just, you know, if he played in 89, you know, he'd be out there with Brad Darty and, and those guys and Mark Eaton and, and guys like that. But that's just, you don't see that anymore. Right. And, and, I, I pointed this out. I was watching. It was the game. Uh, Jordan hit the, the shot over Elo, you know, the shot. And the big man, it was Brad Dottery and Bill Cartwright. And at one point I'm watching, and it hits me. Brad Dottery catches the ball at the top of the key. And, and Bill Cartwright, who is guarding him, is at least five feet beyond the, the free throw line, into the paint. It's the top of the key shot. 
And when you and I were growing up, you didn't expect your your big man to hit that shot. Now, with these big seven footers, like you can't do that. You can't back off that guy now. Like you have to come out. I mean, you you got a seven footer like like Kevin Durant, and, and and that's the thing too. People love this. Oh, these guys they wouldn't be able to uh, you know play in the league. There ain't a seven footer on any squad in the 1980s that can guard Kevin Durant. I'm not talking about physically pound on him and grab and clutch an elbow. I'm talking about stop him. Yeah. So, yeah, the Man, game has changed. The skill, <laughs> I mean, I, think about it. I mean, you go look at those big – at the at the guys when you, when you and I were coming up. I mean, and even then, that was a change because – it, the big men used to just be lumbering brutes, you know. You, you throw it in there, they'd wrestle, and, you know, one guy throw the ball. And then I, I don't think people understand how much of a game changer Shaq was. That big, that fast, that quick, you know, he kind of elevated the game a little bit too, kind of changed things up. So it just depends on when you come along sometimes. I'm trying to think. I mean, we're the same age and know the same era. And you go back to the mid '80s, and then even on into the '90s. So maybe '85 to '95. Just take that ten years, maybe, and. Like like, Bill Lane Beer would step out and shoot a three. Um, you know he he was, you know shooting threes in the finals against your Lakers. Uh, I think Game Seven in '88 when LA won, it seemed like the last shot was him trying to take a three. Cause I think the score was 108-105. Lakers won that. It seemed like Bill Lane Beer was chucking up a three trying to. You're tied and forced to overtime. Who else besides him even shot perimeter shots when we were nine or ten years old? You know, Patrick Ewing got to where he was deadly from 15 to 18 in the 90s, more when he got older and, and wasn't as physical down low. You know, he would step out and, you know, you know, battling the Pacers and he's shooting – uh, Rick Smith, Rick Smith could shoot that. Um, Bill Langbeer, but I mean, late eighties, Langbeer. I can't. I mean, and we didn't know everybody back then, but Langbeer's the only guy that I can remember initially even taking those shots, and he wasn't a true post-up banger paint guy, but he's the only six eleven guy I remember shooting for a long time until the nineties. And 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 that and that's the thing. Uh, it's just changed. I mean, I I remember if you were a, a center and a power forward, man, your skill set was around the rim. Like, what are you doing? You know, that's not your shot. Even, but even the best shooters, you know, it's the volume of threes just weren't what they are today. 
you know, it was still attacking the basket. So it's just a, it's a, the game has changed. The big men are are skilled. Uh, you know, if Kevin Durant had been born 15 years earlier, you know, they'd be trying to make him a back-to-the-basket kind of guy. Mm. So it, it, it's one of those Did things, you? like I said, it, it it just depends on when. When you kind of come along, you, you become obsolete real quick. I mean, when you look at the NFL, look at running backs. The the running backs now, their skill set, I would put up there with what we saw in the 80s and 90s. These guys are passing, catching, doing a little bit of everything, but the NFL doesn't value running backs anymore. That's the difference. Do you, yeah. Do you remember anybody besides Lane Beard that back when we were 9 to 10 at I can't remember right now. Anybody else come to your mind that just off the top of your head? Uh, that consistently you know, think, shot think, it? You know, Manute Bowe hit a three, you know, had a game where he hit threes. Akeem Olajuwon hit one occasionally. But, like, Lane Beard's the only one to meet it consistently shot out there. Yeah, three, yeah. No, I, I, I'm just thinking, I know that, uh, David Robinson had a pretty good 15 to 18 foot jump shot, uh, but mm-hmm. nothing like what we're seeing now. I mean, the the, mm-hmm. the revolution of what the big men are able to do. I mean, you're looking for that stretch four, just like years ago. You're looking for that left tackle in the NBA, or you're looking for that you know that second baseman that could get you a 2020 in the in Major League Baseball. You you know everybody's looking for these unicorns because the games are evolving and changing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is fun to to look back on that and toss old names around and, and see how stuff has changed. Um, when you look at the teams that you root for, Kentucky, the Lakers, 49ers, the Cubs, are your expectations – the same across the board for all of them. Uh, like, you know, the, the Niners have been down for a while. I know they went to the Super Bowl you know, five, six years ago. But do you get upset or frustrated as a fan at them to the same degree you do Kentucky, to the same degree that you do the Lakers? Um and, like, when Kentucky doesn't make it to the Final Four, are you as upset at them as you are when the Lakers come up short or when the Niners don't play well? Are you the, the same disappointment distributed equally amongst all your teams? Uh, well, number one, I think for me, I'm I'm not as – into the sports as I used to be. And I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, I'm just older now. There's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things going on. I don't take Kentucky regular season losses as hard as I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I want to win the big game. Now, look, I, I want to win all the games. Let me just say that. I want to go 40-0 every year for U.K. basketball. 
for, for UK everything. I'd like a, a season where we don't lose a game in anything. Uh, I would like my 49ers to go 16-0, win the Super Bowl. Lakers to go 82-0 and win the finals. But for me, for Kentucky basketball, there's usually about four or five games until we get to the regular season. I'm like, we got to have those. It starts with the Louisville game. And then North Carolina, you know, those, the big marquee mm-hmm. games. I'm like, we gotta have, we got to have those. And while I was not saying that the, the ship was sinking, you know, there was a stretch until this year, we hadn't done great in those big marquee games, you know, between uh, mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18. We, had, we hadn't. That was just an honest fact. So uh, beating North Carolina this year um, I think was a, was a great thing. Beating Kansas. Uh, so those games. Yeah, those games have a little bit more weight. Um, I'm always disappointed in any postseason loss. Uh, now, granted, with my Lakers and my Niners, haven't had a lot of those to deal with lately. <laughs> so right. I think that's kind of tempered things a little bit. But uh, once the Lakers get rolling and they're back in the playoffs, oh, absolutely, I'm staying up for every game. I'm into it. Uh, like I told you earlier, uh, the 2008 finals, uh, Paul Pierce, you know, was in the wheelchair and all that in game one. Game six, the Lakers got boat raped, and I watched every minute of that game angry. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not going to like it. You know, uh, that, that, that's how, I, that's how I, I, I do things. I, I, uh, when the Niners were on that run, Three straight NFC Championship games in the Super Bowl, yeah, I'm I'm right there. That's that expectation um, uh, for me that they'll that they'll win. You know, it it, it killed me in the '90s mm-hmm. when the Cowboys got the best of them and and losing to mm-hmm. uh, the Packers in the in the playoffs. So yeah, for me, the postseason losses are always the same. It's the regular season ones I don't get too uh, I don't get too up and down about. Yeah, cause, and I'm just wondering because well, like the same thing with the with the Cowboys struggles. You know, we went from the '90s where they're dominating, and then the the long stretch where they couldn't win a playoff game. It was frustrating, but I don't know if expectations got tempered or you just handled it better. Uh, I mean, look, I was I was frustrated with the Dave Campo and the Chan Gailey and you know the the silliness of not letting Jimmy Johnson stay. Uh, Parcells got him there and, and turned him around a little bit. But I don't, you know, and, you know, Anthony Epps was on here with us a few weeks ago, and, and him and I both were just like, let's just get to a playoff game and win it. And we're talking, we're talking about Cowboys fans who you know, have a handful of trophies. And we were both kind of like, okay, if we get to that playoff game and that's just that, Stigma off. I mean, you don't have to hear about. Oh, you ain't won a playoff game in some years. So have we? You know, we kind of tempered our expectations with Kentucky. Am I like, you know, carrying a pitchfork since because they haven't won a title since 2012? No, I'm, I'm not. Do you want to win every year? And I'm with you. That same formula. That that's all I used to do, you know. Those five games I wanted to win every year, and mine was, you know, North Carolina, Louisville, 
Indiana, and Tennessee twice. That was my five growing up. And I'm like, if they're good enough to win those five, well, they're going to have a good year because they're going to be good enough to win the bulk of the rest of those games outside of that five. But I don't, I'm not pissed when they don't win it. The tournament is random. It just is. Uh, are you disappointed some years where, you know, are you disappointed in 2015? Absolutely. Not pissed. Uh, the Cowboys, the year they went, you know, 13 and 3 when Dak rookie season. Uh, then they get bounced, I think, at home by the Packers. Disappointing, yes. Um, the Dez caught it game, disappointing. They beat Detroit the week before. I'm just not, I don't know. Is it, is it, I don't even know if I'm, what I'm trying to ask, but maybe do, do we handle losing better? Do you just kind of say rational more about it? Uh, we hear the vocal minorities, we see the social media, we see the bashing, and, you know, you just, I don't know, I guess I just hope, you know, that they're doing the best they can. And eventually, I will eventually get to a point where, okay, maybe there's a change that's got to be made. Uh, but I'm just not opening up in arms and just ranting and raving and just, like, it's going to kill me. I mean, you think back to when, when Joker was there. When they lost 54-3 to at South Carolina, I remember being like, now this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I remember that. Um, so I guess you can, when it gets to a certain point, I guess we all have our points. But I just don't think I'm as about all my teams as others are. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I want them to win, too, but I don't get it. Oh, my God. As quick as everybody else. <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm right there with you with your with your girls and, and everything like that. It's just uh, – and it's a little bit different, I think, with the NCAA tournament and the, the, the complete randomness. Uh, for me, I uh-huh. think you can – we're all disappointed when Kentucky loses. Yeah. I think this nuance was a little was missing, you know, this conversation with this year. Man, one once we got into overtime against Auburn, I said, okay, we're going to regroup. I saw that final four mm-hmm. in my head. And you're thinking, yeah. okay. And then they lose, and it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But then you can take mm-hmm. a step back and you can say, look at the numbers, <laughs> you know. Look at what Cal's done over 10 years, and you can't call this a disappointing run. Yes, just one championship, but right. man, mm-hmm. it's not like one championship and then a bunch of first-round exits. And you look at the preceding 10 years before Cal got here, and you say, oh, okay. Or just historically, hey, you know, uh, averaging re- reaching the elite eight is a pretty good run because you got to get there before you can win the championship. Now, for me, I've talked about my I've reached that point with my Lakers. I'm not upset at every single loss, but I am saying we got to get this together because Lakers fans mm-hmm. are not used to 
extended mediocrity or not even mediocrity. Right. Uh-huh. Because, and I, I uh, talk to a lot of Lakers fans, and again, we look on paper, you can't have Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and be on a stretch of not making the playoffs. Like, it doesn't compute. Like, I know Kobe was older, mm-hmm. I, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But still, on paper, you got Kobe Bryant on your roster. You've got LeBron James. If I had told you 10 years ago we'd have those guys, you're thinking, ain't no way they're missing the playoffs, right? So so something's got to give. A lot of Lakers fans are like, hey, this is we got to start making moves. We got to be like Cardi B. We got to make some, some money moves. <laughs> and it's not just. It's not just to get back to the the playoffs. That's the thing. If you're Milwaukee, you can be just happy to be in the conference finals. If you're Toronto, you can be happy just to be in the finals. That's not what gets it done for the Lakers. And I would say that for uh, Cowboys fans as well. Like, I know that you're just craving – just to get back in the playoffs and win a game. But but that that really ain't going to get you remembered in Cowboys lore, right? Right. That ain't, right. You you got to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That that's the difference between I think our our franchises, our professional teams is, you know, the 49ers just making the Super Bowl, yeah, it was great, you know, it's been a long time since we got to a Super Bowl, but you know, whereas other teams might jump for joy for a Super Bowl appearance, that ain't going to get you remembered in Santa Clara. You know, winning a playoff yeah. game ain't going to get you in the Cowboys' ring of honor. You know, that mm-hmm. that's not it, – it's a little bit different. And I can understand Kentucky fans being upset at this Elite Eight because we don't put a banner up for that. You know, that, you know that's – that's the thing, too, is depending on where you are, you have to kind of judge your – you have to – you know, your expectations are a little bit different, uh, I think. So, uh, I know you asked me a simple question, but I was all over the place. But, you know, I feel good about it. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't even have a simple answer either, I, I, you know, because part of me is like you don't want expectations to dip, but – Part of me is also like I don't want to be the first to just overreact and be irate about everything either. So I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. And I I give Kentucky a bit of a pass more so, even when, you know, they shouldn't make a Final Four and don't or come up short in the tournament. I'm not like just, you know, Got to get nine. Can't wait till they win number nine. But I'm not consumed by it, you know. Cause I've said it before. You know, 2012 wasn't favored enough, um, <laughs> and you know, and before that it was 98. So look, we we've seen this before. So it's not it's not the, the we know what expectations are, but we're not gonna die if we don't. You know, I'm not as championship or bust as everybody else. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I maybe give them a little bit of a pass more than my other teams. Maybe there's little periods of 
maybe it's periods where you tune out as a Cowboys fan when they're eight and eight every year. I guess I, I'm, I'm sure I, I was apathetic. I was disappointed, you know, for those. I remember being upset about those because all you got to do is win a playoff, win a win, win a game, and you get in. Three straight years, and they lost all three of them. So I do remember being upset about that. Beat the Eagles and you're in, Jason Garrett. Beat the Giants and you're in. Beat the Redskins and you're in. And you lay three eggs. So, yeah, I remember being upset about that, um, thinking back on it. But overall, I just try to be more even-keeled across the board about all my teams, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, roundabout way of saying it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Our uh, friend of the show, you guys remember we had him on a couple months ago, Juan Fortella, played for Kentucky um, back in the late 70s, wide receiver, played quarterback. Um, DM me on Facebook, they're having a – 22nd annual Jorge Patella Memorial Fishing and Diving Tournament. Uh, Jorge, I believe, is his brother that plays at Auburn. Uh, 6 o'clock p.m. June the 15th at the Key Biscayne Beach Club in Key Biscayne, Florida. Um, in memory of Jorge Patella, they uh, Put a kid through Auburn every year to carry on the legacy of his brother. His uh, his brother played for Auburn, so um, definitely wanted to mention that um, for uh, for one friend of the show listens to us every week and definitely appreciate it. He's coming back in for the Florida game this coming September. Um, he also was real tight with with Al Del Greco, the, the longtime NFL kicker who went to Auburn as well. Uh, and who knew his brother Jorge Patella, uh, Portella, and we forgot to mention it last week. Condolences to everybody in Auburn because the voice of the Auburn Tigers, uh, Rod Bramlett, and his wife passed away tragically in an auto accident. They're in Auburn. Uh, got rear-ended by a teenage driver, uh, and both of them passed away as a result of their injuries. And it's just. Uh, hate to be talking about sad news a lot, but just just horrible news for Auburn fans especially. But the rivalry immediately goes away. You remember when the tornado hit Tuscaloosa? Auburn fans went right up there and were helping. The same thing when Mr. and Mrs. Bramlett passed away. You saw messages of condolences from Georgia fans, Alabama fans, you know, Auburn's most fierce rivals. Um, looking to try the best to help Auburn through this tragedy. And from a professional standpoint for Rod Bramlett, you you know, you think about the Iron Bowls, you know, he got to be on the mic for the national championship season with Cam Newton. The highlight of his career, if you were to ask him, no doubt they would rank very high. The kick six game where Alabama beat Auburn on the um, missed field goal that Auburn ran back 109 yards for a touchdown. Uh, you've been hearing the replay of his call of that game. And then on the flip side, he probably 
never expected to get to call a Final Four game. And there he was up in Minneapolis calling the Auburn game in the Final Four where they well, probably should have beat Virginia and made it to the title game. And he's just a couple months removed from that might rank higher than or right up there with the football games. It would be the same thing if we Kentucky fans lost Tom Leach, who uh, has definitely called Final Four games and National Championship games, but just got to call a New Year's Day game with Kentucky beating Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. And so just a very, very sad situation for everybody at Auburn. And didn't mention it last week, but Juan did in the message because his brother and everybody he knows at Auburn uh, was close to, to Mr. Bramlett. But um, the Jorge Patella Memorial Fishing and Diving Tournament down in Key Biscayne, Florida, sounds like a definitely a great event. Uh, tickets are $40 at the most. Uh, but uh, you can definitely pull that up. And if you're in that area, go and fish in memory of uh, Juan Patella's brother. Yeah, definitely uh, want to support Juan for, you know, he's a long-time listener. We've had him on, so definitely want to do that. And, and for the folks at Auburn, when I saw that news, definitely want to make sure that we uh, uh, send condolences uh, to the Auburn family. Yeah, yeah. So failed to mention it last week. I apologize for that, but definitely thought some prayers from us up here uh, in Kentucky as well. Um and so we just wanted to mention that. Got about a minute or two left before we go off the air. So anything that goes past this will be up on the podcast, uh, which is wherever you get your podcast, and on Twitter on Sports Radio on the replay Saturday afternoon there as well. What happens tonight in game three? Do the Warriors gut out another one now they're at home? Or does Toronto, uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures today? Still home court right back from Golden State. Uh, you know, I, I think that you have to you have to kind of look at Golden State and say who do they got. I've been checking periodically to to see, you know, is Clay Thompson going to go, and even if he does go, what is he going to be able to do? Uh, you know, I hate to get hot takey. I hate to get, um, you know. Well, hot takey, I guess, but but this is this is an indictment, not really an indictment, but this is where Steph Curry has got to. This is where he's got an opportunity to 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 make him to to kind of up where he is and get in that all time great conversation, right? He's got all the accolades and and all this, but he needs a moment. He needs that that moment that we can look to in the finals and really cement his, his legacy. And if he does it with the Warriors short staff, kind of against all odds, I, I think, you know, he, he, he gets, he gets moved up. It's, it's, and as great as he has been over the last four to five years, to me, there hasn't been that moment. You know, like Jordan's flu game, like you know, you know, Kobe's had shot after shot, LeBron's had shot after shot, uh, Larry Bird stealing the ball from uh, from Isaiah Thomas and flipping to Dennis, Dennis Johnson in the playoffs, and 
And he hasn't had that moment where you're just like, wow. You know, because even though Golden State has won, you know, the the biggest highlight, he's kind of like Paul Pierce. The big highlight was Kyrie Irving, you know, shooting the dagger, you know, in his face and 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 then not be able to get a, get by Kevin Love. So I think if Steph's able to put on a, a show tonight and get this win, that ups his, uh, I don't want to say credibility. I, I, I hate to say that, but uh, I, I do think the Warriors get it done. Yes, they got a lot of spare parts, but I think those spare parts have been through enough battles that I think they're able to get it done. I think they will too. I think they'll they'll gut it out. So um, it, it sounds like Andre Iguodala was talking about you. you know, all these people question his legacy. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Iggy was talking about you, TB. <laughs> I got stand up for him just playing. No, but to your explanation, though, there is there hasn't been that that seminal moment on this stage for Steph, but. Uh, I think they'll find a way. Um, Draymond Green has, has, you know, got himself back in shape, kind of lost some weight and got got on the diet and got himself more in shape for the playoffs. Um, It shows he's been kind of, after after made baskets, you've seen him, especially against Portland, just go right back down the floor, one-man fast break style, uh, and get buckets. Got the wake-up call from Siakam in game one where the dude was like 15 to 17 or whatever. Uh, they they quieted him down in game two. Uh, he's been talking about he's the best defender and on his way to being best defender ever. We talked about that last week. Uh, I think it was that wake-up call in game one. They're back home. If Boogie can put together another solid outing, now that's that's still asking a lot because he's not 100% healthy. Had a couple of days off, but that's still asking a lot. But if he can just continue to be solid, Bogut and him be solid, kind of by committee. Um, and then, you know, your Quinn Cooks and all these other guys can kind of be role players and, and typically play better at home. I think Golden State does find a way to go up 2-1. One thing is for certain, one thing is guaranteed, we're back in Oakland now. E-40 is not going to be acting a fool like Drake does. That we know. You might not know nothing else, but that we know. Yeah, he's too cool for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that that Northern Cali cool, man, he, he ain't about that. Even if he was younger. You know, if this was 1999. Young E40 still wouldn't be, you know, that California cool. You nailed it. Absolutely. So we had a blast. Tons of fun, as always. Um, covered all the bases. Covered the SEC alcohol decision. Um, talked to finals. Talked about Jeffrey James. Uh, his streak coming to an end. Zach Thompson getting drafted, tons of NBA Finals talk, a tease from Tina Cox about us playing in front of thousands of people. So more on that as as time goes on. Summertime is coming for you. Thankfully, I know y'all are glad. Been out a couple weeks down here already. 
Um, looking forward to game three tonight. Looking forward to talking about it all again next week. Uh, we'll be talking about the finals and starting to move on towards football rolling around and, and you know, fall sport to be here and everybody's excited about that. And maybe there'll be more additions to the roster. Cal said recruiting never stops. Uh, so <laughs> you never, ever, ever know. But we'll be here to talk about whatever happens. Uh, look forward to doing it, TV, man. So appreciate everything. and Have a good rest of the Absolutely. night. Enjoy summer when it officially starts. And uh, we'll have fun doing this all again next week. And thanks again to Smoky Mountain Trader for helping bring the show to y'all each and every week. Thanks for listening. Michelle, enjoy your vacation. Appreciate you listening as well, as well as everybody else, too. If you missed us now, catch us on the podcast. For Man Terry T.B. Brown, this is Vinny Hardy. Another episode of Cash Talk Wednesday, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. See y'all next Wednesday evening. Enjoy your week.